I'm Karen. And I'm Lauren. Welcome to Downstage Laugh Podcast, where we talk a little, laugh a lot, know nothing. We know nothing. Today is different. <laughs> it is different. I'm so, excited today. Normally it's just me and you. Yes. Today we have a third. We have a guest. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is our friend Julia. Julia, to say hi to everybody. Hi. Hello, everybody. Great. This, this is the first time we've done a guest, guys. Sure. We don't know what we're doing. It's going to be great. Uh, so, so fun. Julia Schwinneman is our friend, and we know her through various productions and such. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we thought it would be fun to have a guest because we're is boring. Maybe just we, you and me. You know, it'll get dry every once in a while. Sure, bring a third person, spice it up. <laughs> phrasing, I'm so sorry. Sure, <laughs> so that's, sorry that's that's that whenever you need to spice oh. it up, add a third. Why is it always you me? Heard it from Lauren first. <laughs> <I'm like> that. <laughs> take that into whatever context you need to take it into. Regrets. Sure. Uh, so we're spicing it up. Um, but we thought whenever we would have a guest, we would sort of let them decide what they want to talk about. And uh, in the sort of creative brainstorming process, we thought we kind of got off on this tangent and then we immediately said, stop talking. <laughs> uh, this is what happens when you have a podcast is you have you could have an amazing conversation, but you're like, wait, let's wait until we're recording it. Yeah. Don't talk anymore. Sure. And so today we're going to talk about... Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, Schwindy, maybe give a little bit of background on sort of your your experience with theater and like what where you come from about that. Oh yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um so I have grown up doing theater my whole life. I did Oh, you're one of those. Okay. Calm what? down. Hey, excuse I, me. <laughs> Lauren's you're one of those. Same. Like, I watched the first episode. <laughs> I know that she was in a show when she was three. So just for the record. She has sure. it memorized. I was eight. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, sure. I did my first show in second grade. I was in The Sound of Music. I played Gretel. It was like very cute. And sure. thus uh, was my musical theater career. And then I've just been doing it ever since. So I've done a lot of shows done a lot of performances, yep. <clears throat> but uh, I uh, refer to myself as a terrible, terrible musical theater person. I don't know oh. a lot of shows. I sure, don't that's true. even love musical theater the way that other people love it. <laughs> Thank I, you for coming on our theater podcast. <laughs> so happy to have I, you. <laughs> I have seen two professional productions of sure. theater ever. Nice. Yeah, I think. The thing that we're trying to, like, remedy and rectify. Yeah, so... I'm listening. Okay. So, um, I would say been doing it for many, many years, but I'm an interesting case because I don't fall into the group of people that love uh, some of the classics. Oh, sure. Yeah. Such as... Sure. Good segue. That is a good Fresh move. Okay. Thank so, you. also, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, we're talking about Phantom, and Phantom is one of those beloved classics. We, we've we talked about... It's it's the longest-running show on Broadway right now. Yeah. I can give you um, some stats if you want. Sure. Right let's hit, hit me up with those Ooh. sweet, sweet stats. Um, stats. Hang on. Now I've lost it. Okay. What? Uh, so, total... Of worldwide gross receipts over six billion. Yeah, um, it is the lo third longest running West End show. Yeah, Broadway. Uh, that's oh, because it opened in London. That's why I'm reading yes. this right now. Well, you know, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know that guy. Um, Broadway. Here we go. Um, One billion. Yes. Yeah. 
Crazy Town. By April 2019, Phantom had been staged over 13,000 times. Holy uh, So many things to weed through here. Sure. So it, by 2011, it had been seen by over 130 million people in 145 cities across 27 countries. And it has been translated at least that many times. And there is... Uh, when I was a kid... So an interesting thing. I have seen the show a million times in a million places. Mm -hmm. So there was a time where it had a residency in Toronto and it was actually, I think more cool and like theater worthy to go see it in Toronto at the Fantageous theater. It was huge commercials. And especially cause we're in Detroit, we're near Canada. Yeah. The commercials were always on for it. Yeah. So I've seen it in Toronto. I've seen it on tour and I've seen it on Broadway. I think my parents saw it in Toronto on their honeymoon. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing, and sort of, I mean, in the same way where if you have a permanent home, and certainly on Broadway, but because it lived in Toronto, they decked out that theater mm-hmm. in which it was, like, specifically for Phantom of the Opera. And we saw it when Colm Wilkinson was in it. Oh, uh, People will know Colm Wilkinson maybe more so for Les Mis. Yeah. Um, as Jean Valjean. But uh, we, it was, it was one of the best productions I've ever seen. So uh, it is... Uh, the world over, it was made into a movie. That I in two thousand four. First time I saw it was the movie. Was it? Uh, because I, yeah, I because some of my friends were like, "You like theater? Let's watch this movie." And sure. I was like, "Okay." Here's the thing: I saw that movie with my parents. I think on Christmas Day. Yeah. And we Twice. are sure Merry Christmas. No, but here's the thing: we are not a Christmas Day movie family, so I don't know what was happening. Um. And I just remember we went and saw it, and the people sitting next to us sang the entire time. Oh, no, thank you. And I was, like, enraged. (laughs) Just enraged the entire time. And still young enough, like, 2004. I was going to say. Like, my 20s. So, like, now I wouldn't care, and I would just lean over and be like, please stop talking. I would have done that. But I was also (laughs) with my parents, who deplore that sort of confrontation. Mm. So I very much was, like, in deference to them, didn't say anything. But that is my recollection of the movie and seeing it. Um, so for those of you, uh, this has a wide, wide history. It is beloved the world over. Obviously it's been translated a million times. Uh, perhaps before we get too into the salient points that Schwindy wants to make, uh, a little synopsis. Sure. Uh, sure. so it takes place. Get ready. I, I say, sure. I'm sorry. Synopsis. My salient points start with the synopsis. Fine. I mean, do you want to, we can do it as we go. I was going to say, if we that? go as we go and just like hit the plot points and then we discuss that something, is that feels fun. like a better choice a little bit. The show opens in probably one of the most dramatic theatery kind of openings. It's true. It's big. Uh, the show opens um, at the Paris Opera House in 1905. And they're doing an auction. And uh, there's old people on stage that we don't really know who they are yet, but they're auctioning off old crap from the opera house. And in uh, uh, it's very creepy and dark and weird. And they sing sort of in an allusion to, like, memories about it. But the show opens with lot 666. Of course it does. Um, sure. Which, yeah. you know, sign of the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, lot 666, which is the chandelier... And they explain that the chandelier is significant because it came crashing down uh, years ago and caught the place on fire, whatever. Um, and so, and this is like this is like dramatic. Uh, they do that, and uh, the auctioneer says, "Perhaps we can scare away the ghost with a little illumination." And when he does that, the opening strains that I think everybody knows that 
the chromatic organ, <laughs> yeah. organ, electric guitar, time synthesizer, which has never been updated. Still synthesizer, yeah. all these years later, still yeah. doing it. Um, starts and the chandelier comes to life, and all the things that are in the theater that were covered by drop claws and dusty are lit and they look new. And where the chandelier actually goes out and rises up above the audience, uh, and then it transports us back to 1881, and we're now in the opera house. As a, as in sort of the present day of the show, yes. Points, thoughts, thoughts. Well, so far. <laughs> I just want to say, just as a quick disclaimer, sure, because I don't want to upset, uh, <laughs> upset anybody. So I just want to make a couple of disclaimers. The first of which being, I have only seen one iteration of this show. I have never seen it live. I've mm-hmm. never seen it in a theater. Um, I have seen the twenty fifth. Uh, anniversary, anniversary Royal Albert Hall version yeah. um, from my own home. <laughs> <laughs> from the comfort? Uh. Um, so I've seen that twice. I've, I saw it the first time a couple years ago. When I was, you know, I was older. It wasn't like something that I was watching as a child. As a youth. Which I think that's where it comes from. I think that's where a lot of, like, people's... You think if you saw this as a youth, you'd be enamored? No, I'm just saying, like, not necessarily. I'm uh. just saying, I think that's where a lot of, like, there are things that we love as children that we don't realize even, like, sure. necessarily what they're about. Yeah. So I saw it for the first time as, like, an 18 or 19-year-old. Okay. 20-year-old. I don't know. And you were like, what the fuck? And, yeah. And it was very... <laughs> sure. And your eyes were just wide and confused. Okay. Um, so uh, that's my disclaimer is that I've never seen it live, and I'm sure that there are differences. And Well, and here's what I'll say, too, to that point. Like, I do think that as a kid or a young person enjoying this show... You could get swept up in like the grandioseness of the music and the the spectacle of like. Well, the like, story becomes far, like, yeah, far yeah. less important. You just it's cool because you're like, oh, it's creepy and cool, and I liked it. And I don't know why, and like I can understand glossing over the problematic areas of it because you're like, <laughs> oh, I just love it so much. I'm yeah. a kid and I'm enjoying theater, so yes. I get it. I get it. That's my other disclaimer: is I ha- I had I take no issue with the music. The music is wonderful. I think it it's is, lovely. It's nice. I, yeah. I think it's lovely. Sure, it's one of his best words. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber, good job. Great, good for you. Love it. Cats will talk about later. Keep going. It's sure. a whole separate thing. Join us but in anyway. December. Uh, mm-hmm. So, sure, fair dues. Uh, <laughs> great disclaimer. Um, so. After that little uh, prologue, we are in 1881, and the cast of the Paris Opera House are uh, rehearsing Hannibal, and Carlotta, who is the opera's soprano prima donna, is singing, and they do a whole number, uh, basically introducing sort of that, and it's, it's as you said, the music is gorgeous, um, but you kind of see it's like a little bit behind the scenes where they're rehearsing, so things are half done. Um, but in it, we get an introduction to not only Carlotta, but we also, uh, no, we get introduced to her. And then in the midst of that rehearsal, uh, uh, a backdrop falls, scaring everybody, and uh, everybody starts to whisper about the Phantom of the Opera. So it's a real, uh, if you were doing a roll credits moment, it's real early in the show. It is. Well, and that, like, that moment is, like, cool because it is, like, it sets up the mystery very well. Yep. Very creepy. Immediately, if you have never seen it, you're like, what the fuck's going on? 
<laughs> sure. And I'm going to say this too, in which uh, I'm reading the synopsis off of Wikipedia, but it is, it skipped over a million things. So they, they, they finished the rehearsal song and the current owner comes in with the two new owners, uh, Furman and Andre, and is like, I've sold the opera house, peace out, I'm moving to Frankfurt, goodbye forever. And good luck. <laughs> yeah, I'll feel saying, see you later. And he pieces out. And the two new owners are in the scrap metal business. They don't know anything about the arts, but they have invested. Is that... Here's what I'm going to tell you. This is... Oh, this is my whole problem with the show. I didn't even know that. Sure. I, was, I don't think I knew that either, <laughs> That to be they honest. were in the scrap metal How, business. Uh, is that, I like, feel, one lyric that you just... tell you. I feel pretty confident, or I'm remembering from the movie, but I feel pretty confident into the other one, too. Uh, anyway, um... They are uh, sucking up to Carlotta, and they're like, will you sing an aria from the show? Thank you so much. And she's like, of course. So as she starts singing, that's when the backdrop falls, and everybody loses their mind, and they're like, oh, that's the Phantom. Meg Giri's two lines of the show is, he's here, the Phantom of the Opera. She sings that. Um, The new owners are like, what are you fools talking about? And then Carlotta storms off and basically like quits the show and is like, goodbye. Uh, And so then everyone's like, the new owners are like, oh no, we'll have to refund uh, a sold out house. What do we do? And that's when Madame Giri, the ballet mistress. Sure. She played like a real old hard lady. Uh, (laughs) She chops her cane and is like, do you know who can sing it? This random child from the chorus. Yep. From the ballet chorus. Uh, and, and everyone's like, what the hell? And, uh, forward comes our, our leading ingenue, uh, Christine Daae. Yeah. yeah. Well. Um, go ahead. Sorry. And right before she sings, that's also when they, Madame Giri, her, Giri? Giri? Sure, I don't sure. know. I uh, always heard Giri, so I'm like, I'm clearly wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is when she, all, they introduced, like, the arrangement that they have with the, with the oh, opera ghost, right. right? Where yeah. they t- they sure. explain she's that like, uh, the old owner like sure. paid. She's like, yeah. hey, uh, the old guy used to pay him twenty thousand francs a month. Maybe you can with your fancy Viscount That'll sponsor, yeah. uh, and who we learn is Raoul. Uh, and so uh, he's kind of the third person that you kind of need to know about uh, the Vicomte de Chaunier, uh, and is like. Uh, yo, good luck paying this dude, this random phantom. So the whole entire, the the premise of setting this up is the entire company is like, we know about a ghost. The new guys are like, what now? (laughs) Sorry, what? Yes, and just are very confused about the whole thing. Uh, Christine, uh, timidly, but then confidently, sings the aria, and then in a theater magic, it's transformed into the actual performance and she's performing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fun fact that we looked up, so in the in the shows, Christine is played by, obviously by like an adult woman, but via the novel and or other oh. things, she's supposed to be like 15 or 16. And she would have been, if she Word. was in the Corps de Ballet, at that time would have been 16, yeah. like young. Sure. So we're going to assume... That a sixteen. This is perhaps part of your argument. Is a sixteen-year-old would have the developed voice of a professional uh, soprano opera. Opera. Sure. Okay. That okay. even I wasn't even thinking that. But that's also you're welcome. I mean, that is also something to Given look at. Twenty. That one to you for free. Thank you. Yeah. Not to say that it. Listen. I don't want to make myself look dumb. I have a degree in vocal performance, but I do not claim to know things. Sure, sure. that's uh, a good disclaimer. I mean, 
mean, I, between the two of us, we can piece together whatever music sh- thing you're about sure, to say. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I don't want to say that it's impossible for a 16-year-old to sing the things that Christine sings in Phantom. However... It's improbable uh, for sure. Improbable, yeah, unlikely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like just thinking about. Sure, even if she had, who we learn is like the apparently the best voice teacher in the world or something. Uh, just the way the voice matures. Is yeah, like not. It don't work like that. It doesn't work not like that. Quite. Yeah. No. Sure. Uh, continuing on. Uh, in the midst of this uh, amazing performance that she's wowing everybody, sure. Raúl, their fancy rich pants backer recognizes her as his childhood sweetheart and is, like, swept away. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, yes. Now Lauren is raising her I hand. I have a question. Yes, Lauren? I'm sorry. I, uh, is he also 16? No. What's happening? He's, no. He's older. But let's... To be fair, this is the late 1800s, it's a so... Story checks out. Childhood it's sweetheart. a different time. It's a different time. Okay. I get it. But... Here we go. Point number one. Sorry, I will say uh, this. Wiki says childhood friend and playmate, so maybe they're just pals. But even then, if they were young children and they have like a seven year age difference, why was like a fifteen year old boy playing with like a eight year old? That's kind of what I was at. Like, talk amongst yourselves, debate it, and send us an email. Okay, Um, (laughs) so tweet at us. She uh, she finishes her amazing opera debut, mm-hmm. heads backstage. Everyone is well wishing her. Her best, her BFF friend Meg, Meg. who you will recognize in the show as being blonde. Um, that is her one <laughs> characteristic. It. Is she always blonde? Always blonde. Sure. Um, always has an equally terribly bad blonde wig that Christine also is wearing the brunette version of. Um, Meg goes backstage <sighs> and is like, "You are amazing!" Ah, which. This is my problem with this is how does why is Meg doing that other than for service to the audience? Surely Meg is her best friend. She would like know about this. Well, but don't they say something about how I think she knows that she sings. How does but Madame Jiri know about it? Well, this that's is Meg's the mom. Thing. This is the thing. This is uh, because Madame Jiri is like a spy. Like okay. we'll, oh, get, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into is it. Is it that like Madame Jiri is like? She is. She's an accomplice. She's an ac- yeah. I mean, kind of. She's like the the phantom's like say. buddy or something. So right? well, yeah. we, we, he's like giving her messages. Like, Friends, we learn more about that later oh, sorry, on. But sorry. so essentially, uh, Meg is like, "You're so good." And Christine says she has been getting singing lessons from an unseen tutor that she only knows as the angel of music. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's weird. Um, Raul comes in and is like, great job. Do you remember me? And she's like, I do remember you. And he's like, let's go out to dinner. And then before, first of all, a big problematic thing is Christine is given no agency by any of the men in the show. So before she can be like, no, thank you. He's like, yes. And he bounds away. (laughs) Uh, She doesn't want to go because she has uh, a lesson with the angel of music and he will be mad if she misses it. But Raul doesn't want to listen to her. And he literally is like, I'll go get the horses. Bye. And he leaves. And, of course, in the ensuing moments, the um, music for uh, Angel of Music starts, and uh, it's that classic synth bass uh, that starts. <laughs> that and, combination, though. Sure. And what happens uh, that's very cool on stage <laughs> is he appears in the mirror, mm-hmm. and then through the- theater magic, she walks through the mirror with him. Which is dope. It's very it's cool. It's very cool. And I don't think done justice on the uh, Royal Albert Hall, sure. because you can see the thing move. And I feel like in the stage stage versions, it looks like she's... You're like, how? Yeah. It was a mirror a second ago. Yeah. It's very confusing. Can so... I- 
Yes. I have no other You have to stop. We're a podcast. You have to stop raising your hand. Well, no, no. But I, like, I feel like for you guys, at least it's good for me like to raise your hand and be like, I have a thought uh, sure. whenever you're ready. Um, <laughs> so I was doing this theater superstitions thing with my students, and I find it really interesting that it's really considered bad luck to put a real mirror on stage. Correct. And Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, cause it's, there's something about like, first of all, the breakage concern is like the seven year thing. And also oh, like, okay. like the reflection is yes. like weird. There's, so there's all these weird like superstitions about mirrors. So like, how is it done? I need to know. Sure. I it's don't know tweeted if I us. That. Sure. There's a lot. It's a magical time. Um, Raul, in the midst of the beginning of the song, Raul comes back and tries to open the door and it's locked. Ooh, how did it lock? Um, and she, <laughs> it, she, he's like, Christine, and she ignores him. Steps through the mirror with the phantom. Magic. Uh, and the set melts away, and all of a sudden, they are 40 feet in the air on the cats, and they basically walk down the catwalks. The new There's a new production of Phantom of the Opera that does not do this, which bums me out, but that is whatever. We're talking OG phantom. Um, and they walk down a series of basically scaffolding that just kind of keeps zigzagging, and you're like, how did they get from the mirror on stage all the way up in the air? And now they're walking down, and it's meant to signify they are walking uh, down the like sewer systems into the catacombs beneath the opera house. And they sing this whole song. Called the Phantom of the Sorry, Opera. Sorry, called the Mirror and the Angel of Music. <laughs> oh, the yep. Mirror Angel of Music. Yep. Okay, because then as they're in the boat... Sure, that's and then the they sing yeah. the Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Uh, in another cool-ass thing as a kid, this is what I dug, they make their way down the scaffolding, and then they reappear in a boat... And candelabras that, when I was a kid, had real flames on them. I don't know if that is the case now, but it was real flames. And they came out of the mist on the floor. And then he pushed a boat around stage, and it was freaking dope. I mean, it sounds very cool. Uh, it is cool. Sure. Watch. As a child, you were like, first of all, where are those candles coming from? <laughs> Second of all, how is that boat motoring around by itself? On the yeah. stage. Yeah. Uh, and, and the phantom, every phantom I've ever seen makes it look very realistic that he's like, Pushing that's part the boat of phantom along. training. I it think. probably that's is. like part of like when you get hired. The first thing they do like, is like, "How do you push a boat?" Here's with how a you stick. push a boat with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we get down to the phantom's lair, and um, this is the thing that I think isn't in the 25th either. But uh, in the stage versions, he shows uh, it's the mirror Christine, and he shows Christine in the mirror, and it's her, but it's always a double. Uh, that is in a wedding dress, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that freaks her out and makes her faint and stuff. Which yeah, is that is terrifying. not in the twenty fifth, correct? In which she faints and it makes no sense. It, it makes more sense for her to turn and see herself in a mirror, and like, and it all, never has a face. It's very creepy, and she faints of shock. Don't like it. Sure, interesting. And he picks her up tenderly and puts her on a bed, and then sings the music of the night. Which, like, if you look at some of those lyrics. I said that. So just so people listening know, I rewatched the 25th anniversary version uh, a couple days ago just to refresh my memory. Uh, before doing homework Good. before we sure, thank did you this for your preparation yeah no problem that <laughs> was more than we did I said we're not sure. uh, I just want to say that I took a couple notes and I abandoned them pretty quickly I am not a great note taker that's okay <laughs> I was never a good student so sure. not a good note taker oh, either gosh. but same same same, same. Uh, did happen to take a note because I just want to throw it in there that uh, the music of the night the last lyric that he sings is 
help me make the music of the night. And I just feel like, what an innuendo. I feel like innuendo is. It's something. Well, well, there are some more lyrics in that song that are like. No, I'm trying to look them up. I'm sure. I'm just saying. It was the one that stuck out to me the most. So I took note of it. Mm-hmm, uh, because mm-hmm. what? What a time. Well, in a fun way, darkness stirs and wakes imagination. Silently the senses abandon their defenses. Sure. Rapey. Grasp it, sense it, tremulous and tender. Ooh. Slowly, gently, night unfurls its splendor. Turn your face away from the garish light of day. Turn your thoughts away from cold, unfeeling light and listen to the music of the night. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, here's the thing. Um... Open up your mind. Let your fantasies unwind. Mm-hmm. In this darkness, which you know you cannot fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, Super fun. Uh, oh, floating, falling, sweet intoxication. Touch me. Trust me. Savor each sensation. Very, the weird stuff. Come let on. the dream begin. Let your darker side give in to the power of the music of the night. You alone can make my song take flight. Help me make the music of the night. It's... Sure. So... Eight-year-old me was like, this is pretty. Adult me <laughs> sure. is like, oh. Oh, no. Sure. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. what a, a fun choice. analogy. Uh, yep. Music. Making music. Making, hey, making music. <laughs> making music. Uh, sure. So Christine is asleep. <clears throat> which she she has fainted and um, sure. has not recovered. Unconscious. She's unconscious. Not- um, and the phantom is... Uh, he finishes the music of the night. It's a very, very well-known high note for a man. Uh, he ends on that. It's beautiful. He's working at his... He's writing music at his organ. Mm-hmm. Christine awakes to the sound of a monkey music box, which we see in the very beginning prologue. Uh, it's yeah. one of the items being auctioned, mm-hmm. and so your mind can cast back. You know, you figure out what's happening. Foreshadowing. Um, for some reason, and this is the part that does always like make me laugh a little. For some reason... Um, while music is playing and he's like fake writing and like doing the thing where you're on stage and not paying attention to somebody who's two feet away from you mm-hmm. and she gets up behind him and takes off his mask. What a choice. Oh, Which sure. I got... As if he wouldn't notice that well, she was awake Not only or... that, but imagine if we were friends and I wore a mask to cover the <laughs> disfigurement and you thought it was okay <laughs> to take it off. But they're not friends. Sure, they're... They don't know each other. She's That's a cool. 16-year-old girl who's like confused and curious about this man who has stolen her away to the catacombs under a theater. Of all the things you would do first, would you unmask him? No, of course. It's a choice, but I'm just saying. Um, I think this is very much just like, we got this plot thing. (laughs) We gotta gotta pick this, because here it is. So, she does that, and he, of course, is like, "Ah," and freaks out, and she's scared, Mm -hmm. and you know, like, gives his, he puts his mask back on, and then he kind of yells at her and then recomposes. He gets, he sings in, an angry time at her. Okay, I was yeah. going to say, because in the versions that, like I said, only seen the one version. Yeah. So I don't know how it compares. No, no, no. Does he, he ever mad. get, like, violent? Not violent, uh, but, like, scary. He gets yelly singing and then is, like, and then recomposes himself and is like, okay, time to go back. Bye. Okay. And takes her back. So we cut back to um, a different scene in which Joseph Bouquet, who is the chief stagehand at the opera, mm-hmm. is basically telling a story to all the, like, chorus girls. Ballerina, yeah. And, uh, yeah, ballerinas and whatnot. And it's called Magic Lasso. And basically, he's talking about how the creepy phantom 
hangs its magic lasso where people get hung, uh, and it's a noose and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and uh, Madame Jury comes out and warns him, and and this is like a random important, maybe goes toward the idea that she is part of it, which she's like, don't do that. Something bad's gonna happen to you if you keep telling those stories. And he's like, whatever. And they part ways. We are now in the office of the two new managers, Andre and Furman, and um, they have received a note. Each of them have received their own notes uh, with different demands, and we find out they're from the Phantom, and it's give me my money, make sure Box 5 is open, Uh, Christine should be the lead in the next show, Uh, and they continue uh, doing that. Enter in Carlotta. Uh, and she is like, I also gotta know, and is like, what up? I'm gonna be the star of the show. What is this nonsense about Christine? Uh, Raul also comes in and is like, I also got a note. Uh, (laughs) and it's a very fun song, um, to hear. It's my favorite song, I think. It's a great song and very clever and just very well done. Um, if you ever have an opportunity, put some headphones in, take a listen to it, because it is hard to follow live if you don't have, if sound is wonky and not balanced. Um, so they come back in and then uh, they start to argue because uh, Carlotta is convinced that Raul is the one who's sending the notes because uh, he's in love with Christine and wants her to be a star. Uh, you know, it's all this stuff. And then Madame Jury comes in with another note, with kind of the final note, in which the Phantom really dictates everything and says, this is how I want the next show. Carlotta should be the silent role. Christine should be playing the lead. Um, the, hey, managers, don't F this up. I want my money. I want my box left open. Uh, everyone be cool. And it's like Raul, you know, GTFO. So, uh, that happens and they basically ignore it. And because Carlotta is like, you know, a prima donna in all the stereotypical ways, they sing a great song called Prima Donna in which Mm -hmm. they basically, (laughs) it's great. And they basically kiss her ass and say, no, you're the best. We're not going to, of course, we're not going to put this 16-year-old nonsense ingenue. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you are the one we want. Everybody loves you. Of course, it's going to be you. And they sing this. It's basically the, like, kiss-up song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That leaves way, well, in a way, and let's pause here, Madame Jury delivers this note from the Phantom directly. The rest of them have all gotten them, like, in their Received office or whatever. some kind of sure. letter, whatever. Correct. So... And also, Meg is with her, because Meg is the weird sidekick. She is the silent role. <laughs> she, she is the silent, just silent role, yeah. appears, and will be like, but wait, and people are like, shut up, Meg. Calm down, Meg. Uh, and so, you know, just in a way in which we were kind of talking about Madame Jury's role in this, mm-hmm. yeah, why does she have this note? Why is he not killing her? We don't know. Sure. Well, we don't know yet. And we don't know, I guess even still, like, we don't know how they... I don't know. It's a whole... What is the history with Madame Jury and the Phantom? And we find that out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Prima Donna... I always forget. No, I just always forget that part of the story. Oh, sure. The later part. So we transition into another show within the show, Il Muto, uh, and it begins going well uh, with Carlotta as the lead. Uh, Christine is playing the silent role of the page boy, uh, and they begin that show... And in the middle of it, the phantom over, you know, speakers and whatnot comes in and says, was I, did I not tell you to blah, blah, blah? Yeah. He's like, I told you what to do and you're ignoring it. And Carlotta makes the mistake of saying, whatever, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Shut up, Christine. 
And so they restart that show, and in the middle of it, Carlotta cannot speak. She gets like a weird uh, frog-like croak, and um, every and the lights start to flicker on and off, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's going on?" Um, they rush Carlotta off stage. Furman comes down and says, uh, "Hey, everybody!" and is like, uh, "It's okay. The, pay, the the role of the lead will be now played by Christine Daae. In the meantime, we bring you the ballet from the third act. Uh, bring forth the ballet. Everybody rushes on stage and like." crashes into each other because no one is prepared for that obviously it's the mm-hmm. beginning of the show to the third act um and in the midst of this ballet all of a sudden we see a figure fall from the rafters hanged it mm. is a dead body it is joseph bouquet uh and we find out the phantom has killed him and now his dead body is swinging in the show in which everyone on stage screams and chaos ensues and everybody runs off yeah man listen can we talk about carlotta for a second sure because like here's the thing She's just doing her job. Like I did say this the other day. I did say say this. Well, this is the whole thing is she is like just fighting for her job that's being taken by a younger person who maybe is not qualified. Yeah. Yeah. She's 16. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty well. And because she's so painted to be the villain by the phantom. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but really, this so that would be the interesting part is like, what is Carlotta's backstory? Where she's like put in all this work to get where she's at, she yeah. studied, and she, yes, yes, and was like, hard. and then it's just because this guy's like, no thanks. I I no. have the hots for this child, so she'll be the <clears throat> correct star for sure. Well, and it's get like, out of here, lady. Correct. <laughs> it's the same way people like always, and this is such a stupid comparison, but it's coming anyway. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, they villainized Sharpay Evans from High School oh, Musical. I mean, what a comparison! And I it love. is true, though. Sure, right? Well, sure. In which Sharpay just knows like, what she wants. Yeah, she's she the quintessential. You served by these like nonsense randos sure. who are just like I might like theater. I don't know. Sure, she's yeah. the quintessential like theater kid who's been sure. dreaming of being the, uh, the like, the lead her senior year, her whole so life, open. and then some, like, sure, that's math the, and science nerd. That's what we all deserved is what happened to Carlotta. No, I mean, ser- seriously, though, like, Carlotta put in the work, probably. She probably had started in the chorus and had mm-hmm. to, like, work through Correct. all of that, and she's, like, now a grown-up who's, like, accomplished vocally, and they're like, yeah. JK. Yeah. That's some sure. crap. They're like, this ghost is telling us to do something different. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Also, um, can I, I want more thing here, because like, what the F is the Phantom? Because in this <gasps> one instance, sure. he magically makes her voice go away. Sure. That's this it. This has been my other, okay, so we can get it, and you can defend it. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. Well, just for the, I might. let the we'll record see. show that out of the three of us, <laughs> we're not in court right now. <laughs> yeah, just, we, we, you didn't have to take an oath to be on this. I'm just, you didn't put your hand on a Bible to start you this. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm just saying, out of the three of us, you potentially like the show the most. Sure, yeah, possibly. Sure. I have a, I have a special way. affinity toward it. Sure, yes. sure, 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 sure. That's all. That's you are all a little, Lauren meant. is a little more indifferent. You don't like it. It's an so active, in that spectrum. Yeah. Okay. Levels. So. We'll get to it. So, continuing on, during the melee, Christine runs to the roof of the opera house with Raul, and they sing their love song, in which this is uh, theater's quintessential scream-in-each-other's-face song, make-out-a-little scream-in-each-other's-face song. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they sing All I Ask of You and declare their love for one another. Um, And... uh, I have thoughts about that song also. Sure. And are together and, like, out together, happy to be. 
uh, my one thing, I've sung the song, and I had to do it with the kiss. And we talked about this a little bit, like, a few weeks ago. Okay. Hate a kiss in the middle of a song. Because yeah. it's terrible. Like, you're in character, you're singing, you're kissing, you're counting. It's the worst. I've never had to do it. <laughs> sure. It's, it's a rough time. Uh, this one in particular, the kiss, and then right back into screamy yelling like, singing. It's, it's, it's the top of the quick. song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, anywhere um, you go, and it's high. Uh, mm, so that's a fun it. time. Yeah. We learn that the Phantom has overheard this uh, exchange of love, and he is heartbroken. And uh, mm. he sings "All I Ask of You" reprise. He he sings his own sad version of that, where he is pissed yeah. and uh, is like, "She can't. She, she has to be with me." The creepy old disfigured guy. Um, and so we cut back to. Uh, we leave the roof and we go back into the show within a show. They're taking their bows. Christine has finished the show as the lead. Mm-hmm. And as the bows are happening, the chandelier shakes and then comes crashing down to the stage. Um, again, when you see it live, they crash that chandelier and it is dope as hell, dude. Yeah. I mean, from a technical standpoint, that, it's pretty awesome. Wait a minute. Does she go up on the roof in the middle of the, the show? Right no, before. During, during the craziness where they probably have to take that dead body down and like, oh, sure, so that's okay. all yeah. happening. And she runs up there because she doesn't want to do it, right? Uh, they, she, when they do, no, 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 no. She runs up there because she wants to talk to Raul, but thinks he can hear her everywhere else. So the biggest burn oh, is... okay, okay, okay. He can also hear her on the roof because he's <laughs> up there. But, sure. uh, no, she's like, uh, she wants to talk to him, so, like, that's the beginning of the song. Why have you brought me here? And then she's what like, he's they... everywhere. She's scared. So she's oh, talking to him right, about right, being right. scared. Oh, His right, eyes, right, they right, follow right. me. Something that, I feel like those are the lyrics. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right, I right, remember right. that. Is, no, she, yes. is this yeah. where she, like, is asking him to, like, take her away? Uh, kind be. of. Uh, no, a little bit. And then he sings, No More Talk of Darkness. Forget these wild out dreams. So this is the beginning of when Raul gaslights her. Sure. So uh, <laughs> where this poor these lady dudes. is like, this is happening to me. Scared, scared, scared. And Raul goes, no. Stop. <laughs> I'm expressing I'm your here. concern. Sure. <laughs> Be cool. She can recognize that like she is the subject of this entire. And he's like, don't make it about you. And he's like, <laughs> everything's but, but fine. I'm here now, so be cool. It's don't all make right. it about you. That's <laughs> sure. so accurate. It's, uh, it's a real time. So... And then the chandelier falls, and we have intermission because, from a technical standpoint, they got to reset that stuff and sure. get the stage ready. <laughs> yes. From a, a story standpoint, of course, climactic first act. Absolutely. Ending. Uh, we begin the second act uh, six months later. They have rebuilt the chandelier. They're getting ready to reopen the opera house, and they are hosting a masquerade ball. Um, in that six months. The Phantom has been away and pretty much out of the picture. So everybody's like, he's gone. We're reopening. Hoorah. Um, The Furman and Andre started It's Very Funny. And this is, I think, a very quintessential song and a great opening second act. great. uh, Second act opening. Uh, We sing Masquerade. And Mm -hmm. all the players come forth. It's a very beautifully done, bright colored thing. I am going to tell my story about when I saw it on Broadway. Okay, do it. (laughs) So when I saw Phantom on Broadway years ago... Not that many years ago, but years ago. Um, so excited to see it. We had great seats. Uh, we were sitting next to two folks that were not from America who could not have given two shits the first act, but as soon as that chandelier fell, could not have been more into it. <laughs> uh, and we're literally on the edge of their seat the rest of the show. Um, but when we saw it, uh, it was one of those things, and I would be interested to know if this is normal or something was happening, but they began the second act, and there's a very sort of famous... Um, set piece where it's a big staircase and it's it's this huge staircase that comes all the way down 
and um, everybody's on it. And I know they've moved it around in production now, but and when it when the curtains open, you could see people standing on the staircase, and then there were like cast members out on stage, and they're doing the dance, they're singing, whatever. During the song, nobody on the staircase is moving, and so my friend and I were like, "Huh, good job standing still." They were mannequins. They were just dressed up mannequins. We don't know. We don't know what? if there was like a Broadway shortage or if that's what they still do now. Don't know. I haven't been to see it since. But I was. We were very confused about why you would not either just not have as many people on stage. Fine, but they were mannequins along the side of the stairs, hmm. in which we were like, "Why would you do that?" I wonder. Positioned and posed in, like, yeah. different ways. You know what my first thought is? Is if something happened to the set piece that made it unsafe for, like, people to be oh, on it, but they couldn't... Sure. In a way... Sure. Didn't uh, have time uh, to, like... A great explanation. Here's uh. what I'm going to tell you, too. <laughs> the sadness of them putting that stair... Those stairs away. If you've ever been in a high school gym and people are closing bleachers... The exact same sound like? oh. with the traveler closed, and we were like, "Oh my god!" So anyway, that's weird. It was huh. a, it was a real. Sad, I'm gonna be honest. It was a real sad time uh, for all of us. Um, huh. okay. So anyway, they sing "Masquerade," and we find out a couple things. The Phantom has been gone. The place has been closed for six months. Raúl and Christine are engaged, but it's a secret. They mm-hmm. haven't told anybody because Christine is scared to. And Raúl is like, "Why can't we tell people?" And she's like, "I don't want to." And he's like, "Why?" Sure, continues to not care about her feelings sure. or her sure. safety. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so then, uh, sort of right at the climax of that, all of a sudden, uh, with a flash, the Phantom arrives in a red costume and a skull face mask type thing. Devil is this the first style. time he has shown himself to like? The whole the theater? Public? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. That's what I was and thinking. he comes in and uh, announces that he has written an opera entitled Don Juan Triumphant, and he is going, uh, that he, the, they will produce it, starring Christine. Christine has been keeping an engagement ring around his neck. He goes up to her, no one stops him, no one stops her, and he pulls the engagement ring from around her neck, does a, like, magician's puff cloud, and is gone. <laughs> Which was another thing as a kid, you're like, where did he go? He was on the stairs. Mm-hmm. Trapdoor. Anyway, yep. uh, so everybody then runs away. Raul, <laughs> this wiki says accosts Madame Jiri. <laughs> I don't know if he accosts her, but he does go up to her and says... Demands answers. He wants to know because he has figured out she knows him and wants to know what's going on. And she explains his origin story. And they're alone at this point, right? Correct. Everyone has left. Um, they all run off. They all just leave. They well, I think they run, run off in, like, fear. Right? They run no. away in fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird so, that they stayed and listened to his weird speech, and then they were like, gotta, <laughs> gotta go. get out of here. He disappeared. Sure. I'm out. Sure. They're like, this <laughs> He's gone. Real. Gotta go. Yeah. Oh, Before no. he comes back. Well, yeah. to be well, fair... Sure, me too. Um, <laughs> so, Madame Jury explains that years and years ago, um, a like traveling circus came through, and that this poor boy was an architect, inventor, composer, brilliant, you know, uh, magician, magician, um, like a, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, going with a French <laughs> accent, uh, uh, and he, um, like a genius, and he was born with a deformed face. Uh, feared and reviled by society, he was cruelly ex- uh, exhibited in a cage as part of the traveling fair until he eventually escaped and took refuge beneath the opera house. So she doesn't really explain. She just explains how she like met him, but not their relationship. Which 
I need to know about it. Well, that's what well, I want. Because I want it, the best of the question, because she said she met him when he was when she was in like the ballet, like the court of the ballet. So they're like similarly aged. Oh, so that means yeah. if oh. Madame Jury is the same age as the Phantom, and Madame Jury's daughter is the same age as Christine, Mm-mm. sure, do that math. Appropriate. I don't like it. It's creepy. Sure, it's creepy. Share um, that. Well. Sure. Don't worry, I'll get into it. So then we go to um we cut to another note where Carlotta and sure, uh a reprise. Is, sure, it There's is a reprise. reprise. Yeah. Uh and she is like upset because the Phantom has given her a shitty part. Um and <laughs> Again, everybody justified sure. her feelings. <laughs> Absolutely. So everyone is kind of up in arms. Raul comes up with this great idea that he's gonna uh use the performance of Don Juan to trap the Phantom, mm-hmm. assuming that he will be there to see his masterpiece and Christine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christine is like, no, thank you. Very scared. <laughs> Don't want to. And Raul is like, you have to. Yeah. Great. For so, sure. in a way in Nothing which he's the most it. problematic character in the show, Raul? Well, I maybe. mean... We'll have, I mean, he's, yeah. He's up there, I we'll think. We'll have words. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, like, this is why I remember things. Okay, great. <laughs> sure. Oh my god. So, um, Christine is like, no thanks, runs away, mm-hmm. and this is probably Christine's big number of the show, uh, oh. wishing you were somehow here again. She goes to visit the grave of her father, who we learn kind of through this song that she believes, uh, we learn in other parts of the show too, but we find out that on his deathbed earlier in the show, that her father said um, he, he would send her an angel of music to look over her, mm-hmm. uh, look after her when he died. And so this whole time, she's potentially thought the Phantom was this person sent by her father. Um, which Operating under some kind of uh, hopeful... Yes. Uh, like a weird like Stockholm Syndrome-ish, like, this bit. is my dad through this man. Well... Um, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I don't know. Where she's... She's a dum-dum. She's not a dum-dum. I mean, a little. Sure, sure, sure. What, yeah. I mean... I mean... She, no offense. Well, what's <laughs> no offense the... I'm trying to figure out what I'm... I don't know. We'll okay. get back. We'll get sure. We'll circle back. Me. We'll circle back. So, um, she sings Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again, and all of a sudden the Phantom appears atop the mausoleum and starts singing to her. Raul also appears and sees her in this trance-like mesmerized pull toward him and is like no and uh raul stops her and she snaps out of it and runs to raul and then the phantom throws fireballs <laughs> sorry i'm just saying it out loud it's so silly <laughs> the phantom throws fireballs Again, at raul what is he um yeah. what is he sure yeah. uh and then uh the phantom in a real uh dramatic way declares war upon them both because christine has chosen um uh has chosen raul so, we get to... This is actually was another one of my favorite bits as a kid. Uh, they get to a Don Juan rehearsal in which Piaggi, who is the lead tenor We of haven't the company, even really talked about him. I know. He's a very good comic relief guy. He but is funny. Um, he is basically is not singing the written part correctly and um, is like, what? This music is stupid. And Madame Giri <laughs> is like, would you insult the composer to his face? Piangi's like, he's not here. Or I think Carlotta's like, he's yeah. not here. And then um, the piano that has been on stage that they have been using to practice starts playing by itself. Oh, boy. Which, as a kid, I also was enthralled what with. Is um, mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and then uh, and then would go on as a child to have a player piano and understand how that works. Uh, and then, uh, so Wonderful. they, thank you. Uh, well, you know, uh, so then the chorus does this creepy thing where they snap into place. And anyway, we eventually get to the premiere of Don Juan. 
Um, Christine, and essentially, uh, without getting into the plot of Don Juan, because time, but um, (laughs) basically it's the idea that these two dudes are going to switch places, so Pianji leaves. Uh, It's supposed to be him on stage, and he dons a big black cloak, and he comes on stage, and you're supposed to believe that Christine and Pianji are uh, singing a duet. And what we actually figure out midway, if it's done really well, you don't figure it out. Um, it's not Pianji, it's the Phantom yeah. in the big black cloak. And mm-hmm. so um, it's been tough because I have seen it where the guy playing the Phantom is like six foot five, and Pianji's like five foot five and like a rotund man. So <laughs> yeah. if it's done well, the two figures look identical, and you see Christine, and there's different shows that different moments where she figures it out or she doesn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so she starts to sing and he is singing to her, uh, the point of no return. Also problematic, creepy lyrics. Correct. Uh, and then she does, I like to think like in the versions I've seen that I've like, she does figure out and kind of starts to play with him a little bit too. And it's a very seductive song and she like sits on his lap and things happen. Whatever. Uh, and then, um, in the sort of, uh, Sorry, prior to this, prior to the show, we've learned also they've locked all the doors and that there's guards at every place and they're going to shoot him or whatever. Um, So then in the sort of the the climax of the song, she rips off his mask and wig to reveal his hideously, hideously deformed face to the shocked audience. Um, In the version, in the 25th. Uh, anniversary version in which you have like close-up camera angles. A great point that Shwindy made is he has exposed brain. Right. What? So the choice that they made, oh. and you looked it up, right? Oh Whatever. You can live with exposed it's, brain. It's, it's wildly dangerous and sure. you'll probably die. But uh, like technically, scientifically could be accurate. Yep. Uh, oh. But they really made a choice in that version to like he also his make big him... full lips in that version. So yeah, like... so his his uh, deformities, I guess, yeah. are that he like has brain matter like exposed and skull and skull like exposed on his face. Um and but like his eyes and fine big and old like beautiful maybe lips. yeah like very yeah something happening Some with his lips and then lipstick, right? potentially like a little bit of also like jaw exposed uh but what? i can't it's so it and was then a choice. wispy gray hair sure and yeah. then wispy gray I, hair i've seen so. a lot of like hair choices like right either he has yeah. no hair or it's really creepy and wispy uh but who exposed Innards is a yeah. thing. So true. But again, a choice made <laughs> particularly hard. by that production. Yeah. So I don't know if that speaks to uh, the show itself. Um, sure. No, he's always pretty gross, and they do a whole thing. Um, I, if you go watch some behind the scenes stuff, where they actually like pull his face and do a d- bunch of things, and this whoever's playing that role is in that makeup the entire time, and mm-hmm. it yeah. sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I assume. Um, so they sing that she exposes his face and then he immediately drags her away and sings, what um... What did you think was going to happen, silly girl? Because well, sure, 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 sure. Uh, so, and well, then... Well, she thought she was backed up by the police well, because that's they, a like, fun time are there. Which, sure, that's nobody true, shoots or does anything. No, the one guy shoots and it's, early, like, at the wrong time. No, he does it before anything is happening. Um, so the Phantom knows that there are people there. Sure, so, uh, the Phantom drags her away, uh, singing down once more. Um, Raul decides... Meg Jiri tries to go after him... Madame Jury's like, no, you can't. And then Raul's like, you have to help me now. And she's like, I will. 
And so she tells him to keep your hand at the level of your eye, which is not good advice. What she should have said was, he will try to choke you with the lasso. Be careful. Uh, Instead, she's like, keep your hand at the level of your eye. And then takes him basically down to the lake and is like, he's across the lake. I can't go any further. And Raul's like, goodbye, and jumps into the lake. No questions about why she ain't coming, but okay. Sure. And again, in a very cool piece... Um, back in the old production, he jumps. He jumps from, like, a high thing into the stage. Again, as a child, was like, where? And it's very cool. That's kind of neat. Um, so he does that. The Phantom has now dragged Christine and um, has m- made her put on a wedding dress and, like, very forcefully has done all this. Um, is it the same dress from the first part of the It is. Sure. It's very yeah. creepy. Um, she... Um, she tells him in maybe a heartbreaking way that it's not, she doesn't care how he looks, but he's obviously t- like a terrible person. He's yeah. killed a bunch of people. Oh, because he also killed Pianji. We, oh. in the melee, we learned that. Um, and then Raul shows up and they fight and, um, she basically is like whatever, and then Raul forgets about his hand, moves, lets his hands down, and then so. the phantom gets him around the neck with a rope, and you're like, "Damn, all right." And so now Raul is being held in this noose, and the phantom issues an ultimatum and says, "Either you marry me, or I kill Raul." And she is like sad about it and sings, but then in a way to show him kindness, uh, she sings to him and then kisses him. Hmm. Sure, because that's the only way to show someone kindness. Earlier, Make you were saying out. the only way to spice something up is to add a three, a third person. So, Lauren, uh, so are you right? Okay, she fine. she kisses him, uh, having experienced kindness for the first time. He reconsiders all his life choices and frees Raul and says, "Go be together and leave." Um, Christine, he tells her, the Phantom is like, "I love you," which. What a Fine. what a what a lesson to be taught. Uh, Christine uh, tearfully leaves with Raul, and um, you can hear them singing a reprise of "All I Ask, All of, I you. Ask of You" as they like boat away. He's like, "Take my boat," um, and then the Phantom has this moment where he's real sad about it, and then. Um, in the 25th anniversary, he, she comes back and returns his ring. I don't think that happens in other versions. So mm. that is, I don't know. Um, and then... They found that uh, plot hole and they were like, hey, let's just real quick in the ring. I think so. Or yeah. they're like, we wrote a sequel that this makes no sense. Like, we gotta oh, fill in a hole. Good point. Uh, so then, um, the angry mob can be heard coming. He plays with that little monkey that we saw in the beginning. Um, not a euphemism, the actual little toy. Sure. Uh, and then yep. good, good in, another, in another cool theatrical thing, he sits down on this like throne chair and throws a cloak over himself, and you can see the outline of his body. And then Meg Jiri, from anywhere, comes, and um, you wait. see her Fine. looking around. She goes up to the chair, pulls the cloak away that's still holding the shape of his body, and there's nothing underneath. Magic. Uh, and he's gone. So only his mask remains. Uh, she holds, she, she like lays down on the floor or something and holds up the mask into a spotlight. The show ends. Mm-hmm. And right. that is the Phantom of the Opera. Man. Uh, for better or worse. I'm sure I missed some things. So sorry, everybody. Tweet at us. Okay. Well, but it's just a overarching. Sure. Yeah. So you. Stuff to I work think, off of. <laughs> exactly. So I think the main thing that you get sad about is it is problematic from a, especially in a 2021 view, mm-hmm. she's a problematic heroine and hard to root for. I don't even know that it's that. It, because in a 21, in a 2021... You think it's creepy. Yeah. 
from a 2021 lens or whenever I saw this the first time, 2019 lens, whatever, sure. it doesn't matter. Um, she, the whole, I mean, just the whole thing is terrible. It's, we alluded to several things. The yeah. first of which being, like, let's talk about her, all of her love interests. So sure. if you look at the Phantom... Like you were saying, Phantom is Madame Giri's age, so she he is a father figure, dad aged sure. mm-hmm. <laughs> to Christine. Which, if you think about it, she probably does have some daddy issues. Well, lost definitely her, lost sure. her father at a young age. Sure, I did the math because I think in the, whatever the twenty fifth anniversary yeah. uh, version, they actually put like years on his headstone. Oh, yeah. And I believe what it said was 1872 was when he passed. And this place takes place in 81. So she was five or six. Sure. Which probably screwed her up real bad. Yeah. Potentially. Um, We don't know where her mom is. Sure. No reference of her mother ever. Sure. Um, Raised potentially by Madame Jiri. And or the family? I don't know. Right. Like, Uh, what's up with that? So... Where did she get... Yeah, so I'm just gonna say, first couple things that are, like, hard for me, for this show in general. Yeah. I don't know if you guys feel this just from listening to the plot rather than watching it. It's confusing. Sure. It's a confusing show. And I don't know if that's just because I'm a dummy, (laughs) but, like, the first time I watched this show, I could not have been more confused. There is a lot... And I just want to say this. I've now seen it twice, and I saw it recently, and I have, like, read the Wikipedia page, like, I have talked to people about the plot, and there are still things, literally, just when you were, like, they're steelworkers. I was like, what? Yeah, no, yes, no, there, that you. was Hold weird. On. I'm going to tell you, I'm almost 100% sure that's in the movie, and not potentially part of the actual production. Okay. okay. Just as a side note. Okay. okay, fine. But the other thing, like... Uh, even when we watched it the other day... So don't come for me. <laughs> when we watched it the other day, uh, I re-remembered that they even put his backstory in the show. Yeah. So this is, this is maybe my qualm with this show, which is, I think, <laughs> other than it's, like, kind of wild and, like, there's a lot going on, <laughs> yeah, um... Sure. Potentially, my problem with the way that it's written, and potentially with Andrew Lloyd Webber, is that the music is lovely, but they gloss over a couple, like, pretty big things that go only in dialogue, and dialogue sometimes is harder to, like, retain. It's harder to retain things that are mentioned in dialogue. And we talked about, so, like, there's a lot of information that's given during the notes scene in which six people are singing over each other yes. all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're trying to, like, pick up what is happening and you're trying to pick it up from that, you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. People are angry. Yeah. People so, got notes. Yeah. So just from that standpoint, I I would venture to say that this show is confusing as a first-time audience member. Where you are watching it, you don't know anything about the show, and you <laughs> go into it with nothing. Okay. This yeah. show is absolutely bonkers. Um, another reason that it's so confusing is it's confusing enough that you're constantly trying to figure out what's happening. And what you said was, what is he? What is he? It's hard to get past 
when you are missing such like a crucial piece of information, he's a human. I know. Is he though? But yes. no, he but is. He's a magician. He's a magician. But fireballs. <laughs> Yeah. He's a very good magician. <laughs> Lauren, you do theater. You know how to do that? Come yeah. On. So First of all, I'm not like, hey, no, but like, how's he making her voice disappear? Like, what kind of nonsense? So that's you know? one of those loopholes that the movie closes because it shows a scene in which her like throat spray gets tampered with. So the movie closes that loop. I do remember that in the sure, movie now. Sure. That does not happen in the stage version because it's meant to be more magical. So this is problem. <laughs> this psychosomatic, is, maybe. Sure. This maybe. is kind of my thing with that is like, there's a lot of, uh, like fill in the blank okay. stuff that also, happens in the show. Should we just preface this with, you're the most practical person I know. Oh, And sure. so True. your practicality potentially overrides. It hurts me, it hurts me in a show like this. The- magical times. Sure. It hurts me in a show like this because I can't let that go. Right? Sure. Like, I can't I can't let it go. You and can't like, get on board with the magic? Yeah. The music of the well, night? Well, because <laughs> it has to be one of one or the other for me. That is maybe where I am as a person. Where, like, it either has well, to be this need, is a real story that really happened no, no, no. and it's supposed <laughs> to be Obviously, it's what not a real you story. What is the Ocean's Eleven version where they get to the end of the heist and, they and then they go back everything. and they're like, this is how he ate that shrimp and then blah, yeah. blah, blah. Correct. That's what you need. Correct. No, so, I agree with But that. my point is, uh, it either needs to be uh, like a realistic... Like a story that could happen. A story yeah. or... You guys don't think this could have happened? Karen. Or, the 1800s were a weird no, time. No, <laughs> I'm not saying that it couldn't, but I'm just saying it needs to live in one place or the other. It's either fantasy or it's it's realistic. Correct. Yeah, Correct. I understand that. 100%. And it, this show asks the audience to uh, live somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And it, that is very hard for me. Sure. So that might just be my own problem. And the masses don't deal with that. And that's why the show is so popular. Because they don't deal with that. <laughs> well, they're like, well, uh, it. You're I'm, a car- I'm a compartmentalizer. So this show's problematic for me. <laughs> we were also talking, your biggest thing is like young women idolizing yes. the Phantom of the Opera yes. as like a so, romantic figure. Yes. Okay. I don't want to which hate. they like, and, you know. I really don't. I don't want to hate on people who like this show. As I've said, there's, the music is great. I you think can it's, reach I uh, think Julia it's, at uh, <laughs> no, no. I think it's wildly entertaining. Her. Like I think that if you are not like me and you can live in that place in the middle, then it's very cool because it's like a compelling story because it's about uh like realistic people, but also there's like magical cool like stunts and the chandelier and the music and the it's spectacle. all like very cool. The spectacle and, is what sold it yes. way back when. Yes. Sure. So uh I don't wanna hate on people who like this show. However, I do find it very problematic because I know that there are so many young girls uh, and maybe young boys. I don't know. I don't sure. want to like uh, pigeonhole young but people. Sure, sure. Uh, there are just Youth. young people who um, love this show and love Christine and want to be Christine and love the idea of the Phantom and they root for the Phantom or they root for Raul or they, they want her sure. to pick, they want her to have one of them mm-hmm. and they just are so wrapped up in her as a person um, and that is what I find as an adult now so problematic. So let's, who is the hero of the show? 
Well, that that's I think is a debate that people exactly. have. No, nobody potentially. Yeah. No one. No one is the hero of the show. The guy who leaves. Carlotta. The, the guy who the leaves in the beginning. Villain. The hero, Carlotta. The frog voice. But <laughs> so, listeners, in case you're forgetting, I'm sitting with two sopranos. <laughs> who, uh, have just identified the lead soprano in the show as the hero. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Just, no. Okay. So. All right. Fine. If you're gonna make, and this is the other thing I will say is. Uh, in a way where I'm trying to relate to this show, um, I don't necessarily think Christine is a dummy. I think that she has been wildly taken advantage sure. of or yeah, abandoned her entire yeah. life. And that is the part that I think, especially young people, like, don't understand. Yeah. And are not, uh, like, uh, not getting there with yeah. this show. Is that, like, go no, ahead, go for it. it. Well, because I was, the, there's also a, a, a Christine was taken advantage of. She obviously has some, like, trauma in her life. Yeah. Perhaps we are missing parents and things. But also, like, romanticizing the Phantom is an issue also because he has, like, tons of trauma that he never dealt with. Oh, right. sure. And, like, that, honestly, his reaction to his trauma feels a little realistic to me, but shouldn't be okay. Yeah. You right. know? Well, yes. In a way where a terrible things, uh, like, yeah. uh, has Killing been carted around as, like, a circus freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. if you will but then like it's never okay to murder somebody no, like nobody. you know you can't like, do that terrorizing uh, a whole theater sure. just for so, yeah, no, no. yeah so I don't know I almost sympathize with her more now okay uh, and maybe I don't know if this is also uh, a result of me I don't know, growing up and going to college and maybe, and also, like, in the world that we live in now where I'm, like... Are you trying to work out some stuff right now? No, no, I'm just saying... We're having revelations. I'm just saying, like, uh, in the wake of, like, the Me Too movement, and I'm just saying, things that I wasn't necessarily always aware of or wasn't um, paying attention to because I was privileged to not have to know those things or understand those things... Uh, also, listeners, I'm sitting with two white ladies. <laughs> yeah. Just a side note. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I sympathize sure. more with her now where I'm like her entire, I consider her to be the main character. Yes. The entire show is about her. It revolves around yeah. her. It's, yeah. It revolves around her. It's her story. And yet everything that happens in the show is dictated by a man. The gentleman. Any, anyone well, who is well, not her. Her entire course is... Either the Phantom, Raul, is people telling her what to do. Pull back and and you kind of, the only agency she ends up having in the show is when she decides when to she kiss kisses him. kisses him. Which is its own thing. A choice. That's <laughs> how you um, show people kindness. Sure. Uh, so, in that way, that's the sort of sadness is you never see her sort of, she never has that, like, turn in the show where she's like, I'm doing this. I'm Maybe doing this I want to be the lighting guy. Correct. I want to be the... Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the part of it that you're well, maybe... Well, and here's the other thing about that, too, is, like, it was conce- conceptualized in the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not... A different time. It was a different time, but, like, it feels to me like an older thing. And I, that I have a problem with also is, like, she's very much a traditional musical theater ingenue where, like, they don't have a lot of agency or yeah. personality or they're just there to be the love interest. Yeah. And, like, in the 80s, I feel like, sure, it was still, like, we were doing that, but, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber, come on. We could have created a little bit more of a, like, a good heroine. Sure. And based on a book. Sure. Based yep. on the book. So, that's true. Gaston so I d- Yeah. So I don't know what kind of choices w- there were to be made in that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, how well, much do you know Andrew Lloyd Webber was trying to stick you, to. 
when you look back at the old production and the original, Michael Crawford was associated with this role. It still is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure that this man is in concert and they make him sing songs. As the Phantom. As the Phantom. The funny thing is, he he played it late into his career. So he was like... Older. Older playing that role. And older men traditionally play that role. So it is an interesting thing to think about where you're also like just from a casting standpoint where obviously Christine is not played by a 16 year old. She's sure. played by, you know, a professional for most, you know, on Broadway at least. Yeah, yeah, um, and stuff. yeah. yeah but it, it's one of those things where that father figure part of it plays more. I think when you look at that kind of casting uh-huh. now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 25th anniversary and he would go on to play uh phantom in love never dies, the sequel, but uh, Ramin Karimlu played him, but he is a younger guy. Younger. Um, However, I feel like they aged him up a little. I don't know. His hair was, like, gray. Well, that's what I mean. Slash non-existent. But we don't know if that's from I know. Skull exposure. I know. I know. (laughs) What I was was going to say was, Ramin Karimlu, if you want to talk about do we, uh, has society, etc., sexualize the phantom... If you've got the Google yeah. machine up, oh. Google Ramin Karimlu, uh, Phantom and Nude. And just see what oh. comes up. Uh, it won't be anything salacious. It won't take you to any weird sites. Um, but is there cute, is though. a is. Uh, photo shoot. Well, maybe we'll post it on the Insta. Uh, but yeah. there is a picture of him, nothing but the mask, uh, in a very strategically placed area. Uh, and it is interesting. So there is a sexualization to well, that I character. Did not know about this. I, I wish if you're Lauren not watching the real time learned uh, what's happening. I'm sorry. What? Uh, and throws a little. We'll 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 I'm take that offline. Shot. Sure, we'll take that offline. We'll show you. Um, so there is a sexualization to that character where it does romant to Lauren's point. It does romanticize it. Yeah. yeah. And it makes it confusing where you're like, am I supposed to be in love with this? murdery guy? Yeah. I don't <laughs> well, know. Well, and maybe from the standpoint of um, in so many shows, in so many um, musicals, there is, there are romantic leads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it is very natural as an audience member to want to root for, and I don't know, as a human being to like root for romance and root for... It's hard not... It's hard to get away from it in musical theater. Yeah. Because there's so much yeah. musical theater and has to do with romance. So it's hard, I think, as an audience member, we're so primed to, like, want the happy ending where they, like, come together at the end and it's, like, uh, adorable and uh, lovely. And that is, like, uh, not it for this show. Well, Correct. Can I just tell you, there's also... The funny thing is... Uh, if you go on the internet and you type in uh, Raul fan club or Raul haters, there's a million forums about why people hate Raul. And yeah. a lot of it is uh, there's an I hate Raul hashtag on Tumblr, and it just says toxic masculinity in the Phantom of the Opera. Or why the Phantom and Raul are both terrible people and yes. Christine uh, should have ended up with neither of them. Uh, should have ended up with Meg Jiri. Yeah! Ooh, I love that. Interesting. Tumblr. Okay. Always relevant. Let's do it. Uh, um, so, but there is a thing where in the recent years, Raul has not been painted as the person she potentially should have ended up with mm-hmm. because he's not necessarily the romantic other. Right. You know? well, so on the one hand, you have the Phantom who is like, uh, I don't even, Stockholm Syndrome? No, that's not the her. right thing. But it's we've not. Talk, we've it's talked, not. It's that idea where she is, this is another almost form of gaslighting where she's just like tricked into thinking something yes. that you know, yes, yeah, hypnotized, uh, brainwashed, etc. 
like a, I, I don't know, like a, a trauma bond? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, like some idea. kind of, they, like, yeah. And that's the other thing is it's very ambiguous when this whole relationship between the two of them, if that's what you want to call it, Began. like started. Well, How long has she like been taking 16, 17, lessons 18, Even if it him? was like five years, that means when Wild. she was like 13. Yeah. yeah. No, so, don't like it. Yeah. Don't like that. Um, cool. So on the one hand, you have him. Yeah. <laughs> who is also uh, apart from her, but also very much uh, in, like, in her story, is, like, a murderer. Right. And has killed yes. people because people are not willing to, like, do the things that he Correct. wants. Or, like, Joseph Bouquet just made fun of him. Correct! Yeah, man. That yes! Was, like, that poor guy did not spook. deserve to die. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't get it. Or And, like, Pianji. Pianji yeah. didn't do anything. He was just, just like, a casualty a yeah. of... Of uh, like him everybody else not following right. uh, his instructions, so you have him, or you have Raúl, who seemingly potentially at first is like a uh, savior and her like white knight who's gonna take her away yeah. from the phantom, and then he turns out to also be terrible. Sure, in which friends, it, there's a sequel that was written called Love Never Dies, and we'll explore that potentially on yeah. a future. Oh, it's on my deep dive list. Sure, it's I'm on like Lauren's excited. list. Excited, it's um, coming up. In which all of these characters that we just got done talking about have about a, a 180 in who they are and their yeah. characteristics. It so makes no sense. Come, I love come it. back for that episode. <laughs> but, crazy. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where the show is, you know, an international spectacle that has been around for years and years and years, long running uh, in all kinds of different places, still touring. Um, they just came out with a new production, uh, tour production, which I saw a couple years ago. And uh, candidly, I didn't like it. I'm like <laughs> a purist, but, um, they did do some cool things that I was like, what? And also I felt was very dangerous where, uh, they, well, they did away with <laughs> the, the scaffolding risk. that like comes down mm-hmm. and they instead have this big, huge, like brick, huge, like cylinder that turns. And so it's all brick face oh. and then stairs come out from the brick face and they walk down it yes. and the whole time I was thinking huh, what if they miss a stair they die like that yes. obviously I'm sure there's some safety thing that I didn't see I've seen that in a video um, game somewhere yeah, yeah but I was like oh dang so um, but did away with a bunch of other things that I was like no uh, so it's one of those things that I think is controversial and when we start looking at uh, this isn't a golden age musical but we start looking at musicals as they age did it has it aged well is it going to age well? And mm-hmm. this is one that seem seemingly has been untouched. Yes. Well, this is potentially my thoughts is that I'm, I'm like new to the show. I didn't listen to it growing up. Yeah. I didn't know it growing up. Mm-hmm. And so it's very wild to come into it and be like, Oh, this show that is well known as like a beloved musical yeah. and has been untouched. I don't hear people talking about this even in the theater community. Yeah. I don't hear people talking about how like weird and problematic this show is. Yeah, it's, it's largely yeah. untouched in that way. I will, I will say in uh, deference to my parents. So uh, years ago, they used to usher, and Phantom would come through, and they would go see it. And I begged for years to go see it when I was like eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. because I was like, "Why won't you take me?" I'd gone to see other shows. They let me see Camelot. Like I was like, "Why won't you?" And certainly should not have seen it as a nine, ten, eight, nine, ten year old. Didn't see it until I think Toronto was the first time I saw it, and I think it was like 12 or 13. Sure. A much more, uh, I think, a valid age to see it, but I've been listening to it for years. And that is one of those things where 
potentially because I've been listening to the soundtrack for years, mm-hmm. knew way more what was happening by the time I saw it yes. than had I had no introduction to the music or yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, we used to listen to it in the car. Mm-hmm. I had it on, like, Walkman, like, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. I had that double disc, and it was, like, faded and wrecked. <laughs> sure. I think this it's is gone. maybe a good place to wrap up. We've been chatting about this for a minute, but... <laughs> Thank you for um, sticking around. Thank you for sticking around. This was our first guest, Deep Dive. Thanks for being our first guest. Thank and you. Uh, Please come back. Bringing <laughs> your, uh, your, prob- your thoughts about the problematic nature of this show, potentially. Uh, and, you know, we'll we'll continue to do uh, to do these types of episodes. And, uh, you know, this was a fun deep dive to a show that's very well known. And I think especially, you know, you, you can't grow up in a theater place without knowing about it. At, at least. least having heard the title. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, send us your thoughts, guys, on uh, the fan of the opera. Do you think it's problematic? Do you think it's amazing? Do you live somewhere in the middle like me? Sure. Are you like, who cares? <laughs> Tweet <Or> at us. <laughs> defend it. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah. I would love to know. Because here's the thing. Sure. Like I said, great music. I'd love to love this show. I'd love to love the show. Sure, if you think Let's you can change Schwindy's mind into yeah. a loving Phantom of the Opera, uh, and you have a good argument for Christine as a uh, modern-day heroine, let us mm-hmm. know. Uh, you can find us on all our socials uh, at Downstage Left PC uh, on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebooks, uh, all those things. Yeah. Uh, and our website, uh, www. Sure. Why did I say that? Uh, Downstageleftpodcast.com. And if you have something longer to send us, it's downstageleftpc at gmail.com. So many dot coms. Um, Here's the thing. We like to do a rating when we do a deep dive. So if you had to rate it on zero naked, uh, zero being (laughs) zero naked Ramin Karamalous and five naked Karamalous. So zero being worst show ever, please put your clothes back on. And five being keep that mask where it's at what would you rate it uh for the sh- for this episode for the show or for the, sh- the show, show in general like you want to see it uh i would give it a solid uh three masks great music three, you'll be inter- three naked three naked sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. three naked three naked fans yeah uh, i i would give Fine. it i would give it three great music uh, entertaining be where you fall off the characters <laughs> Sure, sure. With a little disclaimer. Sure, with a little disclaimer. Okay. Yeah. For me, I think three and a half. Um, because What's because the half? The spectacle. On a, on a naked remain. <laughs> nope, never mind. Sure. Right down the middle. That's Great. fine. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Uh, <laughs> just because the spectacle, I think, is impressive and the tech aspect of the show, I think, is really cool. Um, obviously, some plot issues. <laughs> um, but, you know, the music is fun and timeless and what can you do, so... Sure. That's I, it. I'm at three and a half for means. I'm giving it a four mm-hmm. because I, like I said, w- this was one of the shows as a kid that really made me excited about theater and wanted to learn, like, how do they do all that? Where is the boat? Yeah. Where does the boat go when it leaves the stage? Mm-hmm. Uh, and all those kinds of things. So I'm giving it four naked remains. Um, so. Tweet at us, naked sure. remains. No, oh, no. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. So we, uh, thanks again for joining us and, uh, Remember, uh, if you want to spice things up, add a third person. and uh, <laughs> Send us your listener submissions. We want those. Absolutely. And uh, exit pursued by a naked mermaid. Mm-hmm.